Oh, you're such an embarrassment. It's gonna be motherfucking Rikishi. Because of union issues. Ooh, and I need a beer. Fuck the Beverly Brothers. Don't say a fucking word. Edit that in. Who gives a shit? Just stop. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Front Face Lock Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan, and with me, as always, is the one, the only, the man, the myth, the legend, Vinny. According to Panera Bread, it'd be Vinny with a B. Is that what that was about? Was that Panera Bread? Yeah, it was Panera Bread. They were like, can I get a name for the order? I'm like, it's Vinny. V-I-N-N-I-E. I go and sit down, this is Vinny. I'm like, okay, well, apparently I'm Vinny now. Anyway, hi! Hi, you're Vinny. Hi, Vinny. Hi. So today we are going to be covering WCW Halloween Havoc 1991, The Chamber of Horrors. Ooh. Before we start, though, we are now on iHeartRadio. If you want to get in touch with us, by the way, I don't. We, we, you know, I know you can message us on Anchor, but for some reason, I have not decided to give us the email. It's frontfacelockpodcast at gmail.com. So if there's anything you want to hear, you want to just get in touch with us, frontfacelockpodcast at gmail.com. We are on Anchor.fm, we are on Apple Podcasts, we are on Spotify, and as of today, we are on iHeartRadio. There's a donation button, which, you know, will help us quit our jobs and do this for a living, but it's not necessary, but it's appreciated. Yep. Uh, we are on Twitter at FrontFaceLock, and Instagram and Facebook at FrontFaceLockPodcast. For some reason, I decided to not make them all the same. You can also get in touch with me on Twitter at Vin Front Face Lock, L-O-K, not L-O-C-K. Well, it should be Bin now. That should be Bin. If you if you type in Bin, you might get me. You probably won't, though. I, you know what? If nobody else has Bin, you should just start another one. Just call just Bin. Bin. I was just going to say, there's a lot to cover with this one. For the most part, it's boring, but there's a lot of little nuances and subtleties that I'd like to go over. And I'm, so, I know you watch this, so please go ahead. Yeah, I watched this a couple weeks ago. It was something. It was definitely something that uh, I didn't expect was ever going to be in wrestling ring at all. It, it's definitely it's definitely interesting. Yeah, interesting is the best way to put it. It's a big cage, and it goes straight up and then kind of angles in, but the, the top is open because they have to lower an electric chair yes. into the ring. Chair. You heard it right. But they call it the chair of torture. Because if you're going to torture somebody, you might as well electrocute them. That's one option. This is their Halloween. Halloween Havoc has always been like a, a, a WCW pay-per-views. has always been one of my favorites just because their their sets have always been kind of cool. The fact that they do it like within a day or two of Halloween. Halloween being one of my favorite holidays. Like there's nothing about Halloween Havoc I didn't like. You know, we've already covered the Yeti and you know, they were doing this one. So they haven't come up with the best... I did, they've tried to be scared. They're like the, the guy who has the haunted house down the street from you, and it's him with a bunch of, like, those hands that come out of the ground with the moving finger, and he goes, Boo! It's like having, you go to Great Adventure, and they have Fright Fest. Then you drive down the parking lot, and the third house down the block is a guy with a Halloween setup, and his kids who are like five years old are the ghouls. And they have big plastic fake knives, like the one, the oversized plastic knife. Right. And, and they have like the bootleg Jason Voorhees masks 
and it's like donate a can of soup to keep our attraction going. You know what I mean? Yeah. Donate some dog food for the kennel. I don't have that big of a yard, and I bought a bunch of stuff at Walgreens that we put it in the front yard. And my friend, and my son has the uh, white hockey mask that covers the whole face, the whole head, the whole head. It wraps all the way around, and it's got all the little holes in it, not like the Jason mask. And it's glow in the dark. And it's glow in the dark, and he's wearing the Michael Myers coveralls with the giant plastic knife, and he's running around going. And then you have the the little girls there, and she's like a princess, and the dad's like, you know, you should be something scary, and she's like, but I'm a princess, and he's like, ah, oh, fuck it. So you're getting chased around by like this kid in the Jason mask, this princess, and the dad's sitting there dressed in like you said the Walgreens Dracula costume, with the cape with the little silver medallion in the middle, and, he's and got then the he's drawn got on widow's peak. He's got the drawn-on widow's peak. He's got the fake fangs that are in, and he's got the little drop of blood down the right side down of his the mouth. Right down the side of his mouth. <laughs> and in a bad Bavarian accent. Yeah, I want to drink your blood like that. And he's got the tombstones outside of his house that say like, "Here lies Mike. He fell over on his bike." And I say that specifically because that's one of the tombstones in the set of Halloween Havoc 1991. Here yeah. lies Mike. He fell over on his bike. And it's like, here lies Frankenstein, 1875 dash, and no, no ending. Mark. Right. Meanwhile, wouldn't you put a date there if you buried him? Just saying. Why would you have the headstone if you didn't bury him? Yeah, you're just in case. Yeah. In case Frankenstein just happens to die in your town. We just got it ready. We have a, we, it. We we like to prepare. Hey, I'm Steve from Albuquerque, New Mexico. This is Steve's cemetery, and we're just wondering if some way Frankenstein meanders through Albuquerque and he catches a heart attack, we can bury him. We, we're prepared. Catches a heart attack, like somebody's throwing it to him. And his big stupid head is just gonna, oh, and then he catches it and then he goes, ah, oh, and then he, that's how I feel like he's gonna sound. And he just dies and it's like, well, I happen to have a plot ready for you. Back to the uh, the haunted house, Halloween Havoc. I'm surprised they don't go around with like a bowl of something, like you know peeled grapes, and there's telling the crowd, oh, feel these, these are eyeballs. That's how cheesy the this stuff is. We don't know they weren't doing that in the crowd because, so let me get into the facts here. October 27th, 1991 in Chattanooga, Tennessee at the UTC Arena. There was only 8,900 people there. That's four people walking around with bowls of grapes. Yeah. You, you could do that with four people walking around with bowls of grapes. You could. You could also have a bobbing for apple station in the bathroom. They do. They do have that actually at the UTI arena in Chattanooga. UTC. Oh. It's not a <laughs> urinary tract infection arena. It will be if you're fucking using the urinals in Chattanooga. For bat- bobbing for apples. Yeah, if you're bobbing for apples while you're taking a leak at the UTI center, you're probably going to develop a UTI. I'm just going to ignore the fact you said UTI center when it's UTC arena. <laughs> going on in the WWE at this time, there was nothing in October. This was still when it was the, only the big four. Mm-hmm. SummerSlam, Royal Rumble, Survivor Series, and WrestleMania. You mean they didn't have 
WWF presents Bats in the Belfry. <laughs> like some shit. Nowadays, I wouldn't be surprised if they came out with that because they came out with Great Balls of Fire. Yeah, and Fastlane is pretty uh, atrocious as well. Um, Fastlane to WrestleMania, they say it every Raw and SmackDown. Cyber Monday. The Bats in the Belfry is what they should have had to compete with Halloween Havoc, but they didn't. November 27th, exactly one month later, they Survivor. had the Survivor Series. In Detroit, at the Joe Lewis Arena. So now we're going... So you call him Jado. Jado Lewis? It's his brother. 8,900 people in Chattanooga, Tennessee, October 27th. November 27th, one month later. You want to take a guess at the attendance? Uh, 21,732. No, it was, it was more of an exact number. You actually were pretty close to the capacity. The capacity was 21,666, but mm. they had 17,500. So the matches they had at the Survivor Series in 91 was the Mountie and Flair, DiBiase and the Warlord versus Bret the Hitman Hart, British Bulldog, Roddy Piper, and Virgil. Okay. Virgil's a weird addition. Because of the DiBiase thing, I guess. They had uh, Hacksaw Jim Duggan, Slaughter, Texas Tornado, and Tito Santana versus the Berserker, Mustafa, Hercules, and our old friend Skinner. Ooh. The main event was Undertaker versus Hogan, where Undertaker wins the belt because Flair slides the chair under Hogan's head for the tombstone. And then they had another two other matches after that. Which is strange. Yeah, they had the Nasty Boys and the and your favorite team, the Beverly Brothers. The Beverly Brothers? Versus, Fuck you're going to love this, the Bushwhackers and the Rockers. Oh, my God. And then the last match was Bossman and the Legion of Doom versus IRS and the Natural Disasters. Unless Wikipedia is lying about the order, which they usually don't. So that that's WWE a month later. Okay. Not the best card. But Hogan Undertaker is worth it. So then we, we switch back over to where we, we are now. We're at WCW Halloween Havoc 1991. I'm not going to even mention the opening match because they blow their load on the opening match. Yeah, they don't even go for any foreplay. We'll just go right to the second match just because we'll go. we're, we're going to watch the main match. And that might take up this whole episode because there might be a lot of pausing and talking about what's going on in this match. But the second match is PN News. The big yes. rapper guy. Right. And Big Josh. Um, he, who, it was actually Matt Bourne who played Doink, the original right. Doink. They fought the Creatures. The Creatures. Creature 1 and Creature 2. Creature 1 and Creature 2. Parts unknown. Weight unknown. You need to add a spooky parts unknown bell. Here's my question. Weight unknown, you said, right? Yes. Well... I don't know about you. If you played sports when you were younger, I'm sure. You know, I don't. I mean, you played football. I think one year when you were younger, right? When I was like five or six before I was, I could play soccer. Yeah. Right, but they had weigh-ins, right? Yeah. And then when I I played football, they had weigh-ins. They had uh, when I was in wrestling, Greco-Roman wrestling, they had weigh-ins, boxers weigh-in, right? Yeah. So when you go to these wrestling matches, you assume since they're wrestlers. They would have a weigh-in before. They never show it, but they always say, weighing in at... 
this, right? They said combined weight of unknown or weighing in at unknown. Either A, they don't have scales, or when they went and got on the scales, it was before the digital age. So when the numbers spin around to show you how much they weigh, it was just three question marks. And they're like, oh, shit. It won't even tell us how much they weigh. I'll tell you why I know they had scales. Because in the in the, the match we skipped, the first match, which we'll get to, there's eight people in it and they go, there's a combined weight of over 2,700 pounds in the ring right now. So yeah, they're weighing people. Yeah, you must have weighed them. So when they got on the scales, three question marks popped up and everybody backstage was baffled saying, I, I don't understand this. This is an enigma. They say during the match, we don't even know who these guys are, so we're just going to call them Creature 1 and Creature 2. Why would that be your default name for them? <laughs> because they're the creatures. Not guy. <laughs> well, they're masked guys. They're wearing green and black snakeskin mask and tights, and the only difference you can tell is the boots are different colors. Couldn't you call them Cobra and Python and call them the snakes? You, you could have called them anything. They call them the creatures. But if you want to go by the logic, if you want to suspend disbelief and you want to go into the wrestling world mentally, you have this pay-per-view. And you go, okay, here's the first match. It's Chamber of Horrors. And then we're going to have Big Josh and PN News. Who are they going to fight? I don't know. Let's just send them to the ring. Maybe somebody will show up. Maybe two guys will show up. These two guys will show up. And these two masked guys show up and they go, where are you guys from? We're not telling you. Well, how much do you weigh? We're not telling you that either. Okay. <laughs> Who? What, what's your names? We're not telling you that. Well, you kind of look like creatures. Yeah, that, that works for me. And then they go to the <laughs> ring and they tell the announcer, Gary Michael Capetta, and he goes, the creatures. And then Jim Ross and Tony Giovanni go, it's the creatures. There's two of them. There's mm-hmm. creature one and there's creature two. <laughs> well, <laughs> so do they differentiate creature one from creature two by the boots yes yes that they said with the exception of an arm uh, uh, elbow pad and the boots they're almost identical so we're just going to call this one this is jim ross's words of verbatim we can listen to this we're just going to call them creature one and creature two are they from dr seuss i back to the weight thing so you got heavyweights, you got cruiserweights, light heavyweights, so you need to know their weight, right? I guess tag teams, it doesn't really matter too much. But why would you even care? Weighing unknown. Who cares? <laughs> like, like, what difference does that make? Is there a weight capacity in the ring? And if that was the case, if their weight was unknown, I wouldn't allow them to wrestle if they were huge. Do they even still announce their weight as when they come out nowadays? No. In conversation, yeah, I don't think the announcers really. I mean, I don't. AEW might do it or Impact might do it, but I don't think they. You know, I know WWE doesn't really go weighing in at five hundred and five pounds. Yokozuna, like they did that. Up, you wanted to show he was a massive figure. What if? I mean, they always bumped up their their weights to begin with. You know, Hulk Hogan wasn't three hundred and three pounds. I don't think that's how he was built. I think he was like two seventy five, which is still pretty big. But you have these guys that are from parts unknown and they come to the ring in green tights with masks on right my thing would be if i was the announcer i would say coming to the ring from parts unknown facial features unknown creature one creature two but here's the thing if you don't know 
Why even say you don't know? Yeah, I wouldn't. And how would they not know who was there? That They don't even know who the guys are. The company wasn't that massive. And where are they getting dressed? Did they show up in the mask? <laughs> they just they pulled up in like a, a Volkswagen bus in the the loading dock and they ran in and they're like, Hey, I heard PN News and Big Josh don't have anybody to wrestle. You mind if we go in? Hey, just the creatures we were looking for. <laughs> Can you step and on the would... scale, please? No. Why would we do that? Fuck it, get to the ring. You'd think Bischoff would see them because the whole like first 10 minutes of this pay-per-view is Bischoff greeting people, which, by the way, a lot of people carpooled back then because he's standing outside the arena with his microphone, and this is like pre-Eric Bischoff being in charge. He's still just the announcer, and he's still got that, like, radio voice, and he's like, we're here to greet some people, and then, like, Cactus Jack and Abdul the Butcher roll up in a car, and they get out of the car, and then... Diamond Dallas Page and the Diamond Stud roll up and he goes to interview them. And then Barry Windham and Dustin Rhodes roll up. And then the enforcers, Larry Zabisco and Arn Anderson, attack Barry Windham and slam his arm in the door. And then they leave and Eric Bischoff goes, he's taking him to the hospital. How do you know that? Also, maybe the creatures, Creature 1 and Creature 2, Creature Uno and Creature Dos, went to pull in right when Eric Bischoff went inside to change it to his Dracula costume. Oh, that's true. I mean, he did change it to his Dracula costume so he can hang out with Missy Hyatt, who was dressed as the flapper. Yeah. Do you think Eric Bischoff saw his reflection in the mirror? Yeah. But he's Dracula. But he was dressed like the guy we were just talking about that has the haunted house down the street. He is the guy that has the haunted house. That is the guy. That was Eric Bischoff's house we were talking about. He's like, kids, don't answer the door to any strangers. I'm going to be back. I have to do some journalism down at Halloween Havoc 91 in Chattanooga. I'll be back in about four hours. He prefaces the year. I got to go to Halloween Havoc 91. <laughs> he gets his fucking time machine, goes back to 1991. I'm trying to make your mother Missy Hyatt. Let me go back to the year 1991. We're going to host this thing, and I'm going to dress like Dracula. So I got to stop at Walgreens real quick and pick up my plastic fangs. And, and don't worry, kids, when I come back, I'll still have the costume so we can put on our little horror show in the yard. Yay, Daddy! Make sure you get me that Jason mask. No problem, son. Oh, I almost forgot. Forgot to trickle the little bit of fake blood down the side of my mouth. Right down one side. You don't want to do it by on both side. sides, just the one side. Yeah, if you do both sides, you look like a, like a ventriloquist puppet. So you have to do the one side to, to differentiate from it. You don't want to go all the way down your neck. Because that means that's a that's excessive amount of blood. So just to the tip of your chin. Yeah, just to the chin. And if it goes on your neck, you know, sometimes when you like move your head around, it sticks. It gets kind of uncomfortable. You know, it's just for it's just for uh, optics. It's, it's just to show, hey, I bit somebody. So the creatures, creature one and creature two versus PN News and Big Josh. And Big Josh's special move is the same as earthquakes. Remember earthquakes where you'd run across yes. the ring and jump on your chest. Mm-hmm. But he's not as big as earthquake. The next match is. Beautiful Bobby Eaton versus Terrence Taylor. Ooh, a big snooze fest. Yeah, I I think I skipped that match. It's a boring match. It's Then the next match is Johnny B. Bad when he's still new, and he's very flamboyant. He's got the poofed-out hair and the makeup. I thought he was Little Richard when he first came out. 
that was the gimmick. He was supposed to look like so that's why his music was kind of like you know that early fifties rock and roll, and he he kind of looked like Little Richard, and he had the cape, and you know so that was but he was a boxer still, so you throw that in there, and he's he's managed by Teddy Long, and he's fighting Jimmy Garvin because Michael P. S. Hayes, you know, as the Freebirds is hurt he he hurt his right arm and right. i'll get back i'll get more into that when we start talking about the match we skipped which we're going to go over the thing i just want to mention about this and we, and we can actually just watch the beginning of this jimmy garvin who is the epitome of 80s because he's got the hairy chest the big permed mullet with the bangs and mm-hmm. the big 80s mustache and wh- when he first comes to the ring he's got these big sunglasses on at one point you look at him and it looks like He's wearing a mask of himself because his face looks fake. <laughs> I don't know how to explain that other than just you have to see it. it again, it's just a, it's a boring match, and they fuck the ending up to the point where they don't, don't even show it in the replay. So Jimmy Garvin is supposed to win, and then Johnny B. Bad gives him his left hook punch, which is his finisher, and the ref gets in the way between the ropes and them pinning and Jimmy Garvin goes to put his leg up on the rope and it hits the ref because he's there and it falls off and they go, Teddy Long threw his leg off the rope. And it's like, clearly he didn't. Cause it, when they <laughs> pulled the, the wide shot, Teddy Long's on the other side of the ring. Right. So it's a completely botched ending. They just went with it. Like, fuck it. The next match was stunning Steve Austin versus the natural Dustin Rhodes. Actually something that really impressed me about this match that I liked. Steve Austin's flowing blonde locks. Besides that, it's a 15-minute time limit match for the television championship that Austin has. And they actually did something really cool in it that they still fucked up. So they keep every five minutes you hear Michael Capetto say how much time is left. And it gets to the point where he says there's 10 seconds left. And he starts counting down. And Dustin Rhodes does this move. And he goes to pin Austin. And he pins him with two seconds left. And it timed out perfectly that the one-two came on the two-one. So the three count would have been after the time limit was over. And it was timed out perfectly. But instead of just having it end like, oh, he should have won, but the time ran out, but you got the three count, but it doesn't count because it's over, they had Austin kick out. And they said that Austin kicked out. But he didn't kick out like the time limit ran out so they could have just said like oh dustin would have won time ran out a split second too late and they fucked it up by saying austin kicked out you could have set up a whole new angle that dustin could have said i won that match but it missed it by a split second you were beat blah blah blah, and they didn't and i looked it up after they didn't really have a follow-up match after that i've seen something like that before where the time like ran out before like the, the three count. I've seen that in another match somewhere. I wonder how that works because they have. I've seen a couple matches in the history of wrestling. You know, we watched for a very long time where they have these. I wouldn't even say false finishes. These weird finishes that you're like, was that supposed to happen? Was there a mistake there? You know, obviously they change the endings for matches if there's an injury or something. But I've seen where. I think I actually saw a documentary where they were talking about one of the matches, and aside from the Montreal Screwjob, where they just changed the finish right before the end of the match. And it's like, it looks so confusing. You're like, what the hell was that? At some point, Vince McMahon was like, 
nope, that's not the direction I want to go anymore. Change it right now. It's wild. So maybe they decided while watching the match, they didn't want to have an Austin-Dustin Rhodes feud. And they were like, oh, just have this weird convoluted ending and just let's not talk about it ever again. That And that's the other thing I noticed on a side note. WWE in this time period, 91 to 97, let's say, they had bad gimmicks. And I'm talking faces specifically. Their faces had bad gimmicks. Duke the Dumpster Drozzy, the, the Godwin brothers, Doink after he became a face. Like, right. they had just bad gimmicks. Right. But the thing I noticed about WCW, and this was pretty much from when they their inception, when they became WCW from the NWA time, right up until about when the NWO showed up in that era, their faces were up-and-coming youngsters. Up-and-coming youngsters. Every time, like, a Dustin Rhodes, a Z-Man, a Jim Powers, any of those guys that came in, a Marcus Alexander Bagwell. Scott Steiner, too. These up-and-coming youngsters, Shivani, Jim Ross, every announcer. This, I, I'm really excited about this up-and-coming youngster. Jim Powers was an up-and-coming youngster. Marcus Alexander Bagwell, Dustin Rhodes in that match. He's an up-and-coming youngster. <laughs> Look at this young, this this fine young man. This, it wasn't even fine young man. Everybody, look it up or watch anything from eighty nine ninety to ninety six. Every face that's a new guy, Brian Pillman when he was a, a newcomer, up and coming youngster. Hmm, very interesting. I gotta have to check it out. You're gonna hear that now. I'm gonna hear it. I'm gonna hear it. I'm never gonna not hear it. Oz, the up and coming youngster. No, so the next match <laughs> is Bill Kazmir, who is the world's strongest human being. And he comes to the ring with an inflatable earth over his shoulder. Yes, I remember that. Like, Yes, I do remember seeing that. It's like, wow, you're so strong, you can carry a balloon. The world's strongest human being. I don't care. You can't physically go outside of the earth's atmosphere into space and carry the earth on your shoulder. First, you just float away. Second, even if you could stand in space, the earth would be so much heavier than that balloon. But he's carrying a balloon shaped like the earth to the ring, which means that everybody in the arena is actually on his back because they're on the earth. But he's inside the earth. So he's carrying himself. Weird. It's like a paradox. He's the world's strongest paradox. Paradoxical human being. Yes. And he's fighting Oz. Now, Oz, I would say, if I was to, like, the great and powerful, the wizard, he's right? from the Emerald City. <laughs> and he's wearing all green, isn't he? No, so this is post-Great American Bash 91, which is the other one we want, we're going to do. So when he came out of Great American Bash 91, he had the mask with the, the emerald hat and he was uh, Kevin Sullivan was his manager who wore the same kind of mask and the beard, Be the fake beard on the mask. And they had the big green robe. That's when he had the mullet, but it was spray painted gray. This is just Kevin Nash with a flat top blonde yeah. haircut with the green robe and black pants with green boots. And he's Oz from the Emerald City. At least we know where he's from. Quick question. Do we know how much he weighs? Yes. Okay. Well, they have scales in the Emerald City. At least we cleared that up. Whew. 
Thank God. We almost had a creature number three on our hands. We don't want that. We don't want another creature on our hands. We already got two to deal with. <laughs> so the next match after that, because that's, you know, that's a mostly a test of strength, seven-foot guy versus the world's strongest human being who can carry a balloon that looks like the Earth. The next match is, I'm not even kidding, I wrote it down, the up-and-coming youngster, Heavy Metal Van Hammer. Yeah, heavy Metal, like... Sammy Hagar Van Hammer comes out with the guitar just around his neck, not under his arm, not like he would wear a guitar. Swinging it. Keep, Keep swinging, swinging it around, and he's got the one broken string you can clearly see, and he's head banging, and he's just holding the guitar up in the air. And he's never played guitar in his life, you could tell. Never even held a guitar in his life, you could tell. He just swings around his neck. Just swings it around his neck because he's just yeah, you know, I'm heavy metal Van Hammer. And let's not forget, it's an electric guitar that he's bringing to the ring. It's not like an acoustic guitar where you could actually play it if you wanted to and people could hear what you're doing. <laughs> Unless he's got a very long wire and an amplifier, no one's hearing that electric guitar. You're not doing a hockey talk man thing where you're bringing the electric, the acoustic guitar out, you're pretending to play it, and you're being like the honky talk man, or even like now with Elias, or even in WCW in like 92 when they brought out uh, Max Payne. And or he Jeff would Jarrett. Actually, or Jeff Jarrett with the acoustic guitar. But, like, Max Payne used to come out with the electric guitar and play it, or Man Mountain Rock when he was Man, Man Mountain, Mountain Rock. Rock. He just has a Flying V guitar. And it's not even a Flying V. It's just shaped like the Flying V. Around his neck, and he just keeps spinning it around his fucking neck. It's the electric guitar that you buy from Finger Hut. Finger Hut? What the fuck is Finger Hut? You don't know Finger Hut? It was, like, that fucking manual you would order shit from. It's, like, this thick, and you would, like, flip through the pages. It would be anything you ever wanted, but there's all cheap shit. I got I had an acoustic guitar that my mom got me from Finger Hut, and it was go Google it, motherfucker. The, but, the more you talk about it, the more familiar it sounds. But it was like fifty dollars the acoustic guitar because I really wanted acoustic. The one that you smashed over my head that cost fifty dollars. It wasn't like she went to Guitar Center and bought me like an acoustic guitar because she was like, well, I'm not gonna spend all this money and this motherfucker not even gonna play this shit. So she bought me a Finger Hut guitar, which makes sense. And then you smash it over my head history of that uh, reference we did a uh, quote-unquote backyard wrestling in a park by Vinny's old house and we dabbled we dabbled in it and I, I i smashed a guitar over his head i think the first time i hit you over the head with it it didn't break and you fixed your hair and then i hit you again with it yes and then i threw you into a giant bush and then you hit me with a, a piece of plywood or something <laughs> yes. yeah so van hammer versus doug summers Ooh, that Doug Summers? That Doug Summers. There's a couple of points when we get back to the match we skipped that I'm going to point out about why I'm emphasizing certain things. Um, so the next match is the Flying Brian versus Richard Morton of the Rock and Roll Express for the First Light Heavyweight Championship. Brian Pillman wins the First Light Heavyweight Championship, which turns into the Cruiserweight Championship. The next match, and i got to rub my head for this because this is how bad. How bad is it, Ryan? You take a, a bad gimmick like Tom Zenk, who was the Z-Man. Z-Man's dead too, isn't he? He is, and he was, and I'm not kidding, an up-and-coming youngster. He fights the Halloween Phantom. The Halloween Phantom? I've never heard of such a man. Nobody has, and nobody knows who he is. In fact, Missy Hyatt claims she knows who he is. But Eric Bischoff doesn't know who he is, and he keeps begging Missy Hyde to tell him who she is, and she won't do it. This is a big reveal. This would be front page news? 
if you have a pay-per-view and then all of a sudden a phantom shows up and he's from parts unknown and his weight is unknown. Really? Yes, I'm not kidding. Why didn't they just call him Creature 3? His mask is black and white, half-half, and he's wearing a black skin-tight top with a black tights and black boots. Because that's what phantoms wear. And it is Halloween, so I'm assuming he's like a phantom of the opera. I, think, I looked at the mask and I'm like, oh, is that like a phantom of the opera white? No, it's just split half and half. It's kind of mm-hmm. like the uh, Deathstroke mask where it's half and half. Mm-hmm. You can clearly see certain things. Like, you could see his big 80s mustache sticking through the mask because the mask is not lined up on his head right. So the eye holes are gigantic, and the sides of his head take like a a wool fitted hat, like a, a a wool hat, whatever they call it. And you put it on sideways, and the sides kind of stick out a little bit. So he's got the mask like that, and it kind of sticks out. And then he's got the big eye holes, and where the nose hole is, it's big. And then through the nose hole is his mustache, and then the mouth hole, the little spot between the nose and the mouth, is actually right. in his mouth the whole match. Right. And then the, the mouth hole is on his chin. First, he can't put on a mask, right? No. Second, if you worked at WCW, like if you're Eric Bischoff or anybody else, and you saw this guy wearing this outfit, would you say, well, I know who that is? I know who it is. It's Rick Rude, obviously. Mm. But if you're watching in Kaya, you didn't know who it was. Forget the fact that you could see his mustache through his nose hole. Built like Rick Rude. His moves are like Rick Rude, and then he does the Rude Awakening, and then Tony Schiavone goes, that looks like the, and I hope I can say this, the Rude Awakening. Yeah, the move that Rick Rude does. Yeah, the guy whose name Rick Rude, who just came back from WWE, who just did the Rude Awakening, kind of looks just like him. And then they have to reveal it with Paul Heyman, or Paulie Dangerously. Oh, it was Rick Rude the whole time. All right, so you're not going to be called the Phantom anymore? Yeah, what was the point of it? (laughs) <laughs> just come out as Rick Rude. Yeah. Like, why not just come out as Rick Rude? What's the big surprise? It's not like you, you kept us in suspense for weeks and months. You literally debuted and revealed yourself within fucking ten minutes. <laughs> it's like, it's it's like me showing up to, you know, it's me showing up to your house with a fucking thing wrapped. And I go, Merry Christmas, Ryan. It's a bottle of Jack Daniels. <laughs> like, <laughs> thanks so much. And you're like, oh, thanks. Oh. And I drank half of it. If you showed up at my house for Halloween and you, and you had your kids with you, and I go, hey, that looks just like Vinny's kids, but who's the guy in the mask? Who drove you here? And I, I see your car in my driveway, and I go, hmm, who's this fella with the mask and, and Vinny's kids here? And before I can finish that sentence, you rip the mask off and go, it was me the whole time. Oh, you're like... I'm calling myself the monstrosity, but here I am. I'm, not, I'm really, really Vinny. It's like watching Scooby-Doo, and when they're doing the mystery, the first time he goes to scare Shaggy and Scooby, he's just like, ah, oh, fuck it. I don't want to get caught in all these traps. I'm just going to pull my mask off myself and re- reveal that I'm old Mr. McGillicuddy. All right, can I go on a side tangent real quick? Wait, this wasn't a side tangent. The side tangent of the side tangent. Two major issues with Scooby-Doo. The dog talks? No, I can get past that. I watched Looney Tunes growing up. All the animals talk. Clothes? I can get past that, too, because um, Porky Pig wore the same shirt and Elmer Fudd wore the same hunting outfit every day. They never stopped to buy gas? 
Okay, three issues. My two issues with Scooby-Doo. One, if it's always a guy in a mask, why are they always surprised? Right. It's been 35 years, 40 years, it's always a guy in a mask. Why don't they just show up at the crime scene and they go, there's a ghost haunting us, and then Fred just goes, it's probably old man Carruthers in a mask. It's always old man Carruthers in a mask. What? But what if that one time it isn't, and it actually is a ghost? What okay. if it's creature one and creature two? It's still guys in masks. <laughs> we don't know that. My second issue, and you should appreciate this being in law enforcement. Okay. They're at the scene of every crime, and the police mm-hmm. never investigate them. You're right. But in other TV shows like CSI, those five CSI workers which crime scene investigators don't do the shit that they do. They don't arrest people. They're like lab peaks. But those five people are at every crime scene in Las Vegas and arresting but, people. And But they still work technically for the police department. This is five kids and a dog that are just going on vacation, and every time they go somewhere, somebody gets murdered or the place is haunted or the amusement park and goes out of business. 40 years, you'd think the police would go, Maybe we should investigate those kids and the dog. Because you know what? Every single place they've ever went, ever, a crime has happened. So they're pretty much like the firemen setting fires to just put it out. That's what I think. Strong possibility. That's a good point. And they they never, never went anywhere where someone wasn't trying to be a monster in a mask and to they, take over their parents' fortune. And do they do this as a hobby, or do they do this as a job? Do they get paid? Yeah, how do they make money to keep traveling? Wouldn't this be like, hey, there, all these kids are solving crimes, and then I'm the masked uh, amusement park guy, demon, right? I'm the phantom of the amusement park. or I'm, I'm the WCW phantom, and I'm sitting there committing a crime in the ring, and I see the mystery van pull up. I'm getting the fuck out of there. These kids mean business. I'm going to sit around and try to scare them away. It's obviously not worked. Like, oh, pull off the mask. Hey, it's Creature One, Joey Mag. And you know what I'm going to do, too? Not only am I going to not try to scare them, we're not going to play these little games where I run in the door after them, and then the next scene, they're running in the door after me. Like, we switch roles. We do this all the time, every episode. Why do these Shaggy and Scooby always have to eat sandwiches? Does everybody have sandwiches available on hand in the in their amusement parks? Apparently, just deli meat hanging around by the Ferris wheel. Just refrigerators everywhere filled with deli meat. And you know what? If these are these big bad monsters, why don't they just kill them? They always illuminate themselves and they have their chains like. Daphne figures out. She goes, "It was a projector against the screen." Like you're saying, we know it's a guy in the mask, but why don't they just go, aside from the guy in the mask, why not look for the things that it possibly can't be a ghost to begin with, like you're saying? But let's not be like, oh, the jewels have been stolen, or all the money from the the cashier has been stolen. They're going to have to close down the old junkyard. Why not just say, well, where did you see him? Oh, well, he was up on top of this. Why not look for a projector? Somewhere. Debunk it. It's always a projector and then a guy in a mask. And no one ever calls the cops. Never. They call five t- five teenagers and a dog. They don't even call them. They just show up like, yeah, hey just... guys, we're just driving through this country road. Hey, look, an old abandoned amusement park. Let's stay there tonight. We'll all sleep in the back of this fucking weed van we have. 
And, oh, let's just go inside to use the bathroom. Oh, hey, you have a place for us to sleep. Yeah, but it's not been the same since the ghost started haunting us. Well, this looks like a mystery for us. But I don't really want you here. I just want you guys to use the bathroom and get the fuck off my property. But we offer our services pro bono. Yeah. Too late. We're already here. We're not going to call the priest to get rid of the demon. We're not going to call the cops to get rid of the thieves. There's four of us and a dog. We're going to solve this case for you because, you know, this is what we do every day. Haven't you read my van? It says the mystery machine. Which was lucky that we were able to buy a van and paint the mystery machine on it because we just assumed that every single place we went, a mystery would pop out. And we'd have to solve it. This would have been the perfect pay-per-view to have the mystery machine show up. I have another problem. How is it possible that the snacks are named after their dog? And maybe that's how they make their money. Maybe they just get licensing from Scooby Snacks. It was actually just snacks. And then once they started solving mysteries, they added Scooby to it as the face. And now that's the running endorsement. Yeah, and every time they solve a mystery and they promote Scooby Snacks at the establishment is how build up the revenue commission if you want to tie it into where we are now at this era of wcw they had robocop save sting the creatures one and two that the halloween other. phantom why wouldn't they just have scooby-doo show up and figure out who the creatures are how much they weigh right and who the phantom is those are the mysteries that i need to solve so bring in the want, mystery machine i just want to know how, how much these motherfuckers weigh so the next match, if we can get back on track here. That's never is, happening. No. It's the Enforcers, which is Arn Anderson and Larry Zabisco versus the Patriots. One of them's a veteran and one of them's a fireman. Because that makes sense. Is it patriotic to fight fires? The main event was Lex Luger with his not quite the WCW heavyweight championship belt because Ric Flair still had that in WWF. Versus Ron Simmons in a two out of three falls match. Lex Luger wins. Uh, Ron Simmons pins him the first time. And then Ron Simmons clotheslines Lex Luger. And Lex Luger goes over the top rope, which in this time was illegal in WCW to throw somebody over the top rope. So he gets disqualified the second fall. And Lex Luger wins the third fall and retains the fake WCW belt. Is that where they pull down the, his hands real quick? That was Great American Bash 91. So the belt that he had a great that he won a Great American Bash 91 was actually a Dusty Rhodes belt from an old Territory Federation that was it was kind of like their world belt or their universal belt or whatever. And since Ric Flair left with their belt, they had ordered a new one, but it hadn't shown up. So when Luger won a Great American Bash. They handed it to him, and they kind of, he was like, yay! And they're like, nope, don't don't show it to anybody. They ordered one? Yes, that's what it said online, that they... It came they in the mail? One. It came in the mail. They Amazoned it. No, they didn't Amazon it. They America Onlined it. They didn't America Onlined it. They USPSed that shit. The US Postal Service did. US Postal Service ground. Yes. 7 to 14 days delivery, Nine ninety nine shipping and handling. That's the shit that they got. And didn't show up in time for the Great American Bash, but they had it for this one. You think there's a guy waiting outside the Great American Bash? Don't, 
don't worry, the mail truck is coming. Meanwhile, it was on a Sunday, but the mail truck's coming. Just stay it out there and wait for it to come. Bring the belt down to the ring. You got it, boss. And then he's just in there waiting, pacing back and forth, looking at the time, looking at when the uh, pay-per-view is going to start. And then at the end, he's just like, fuck. And then they came out and they're like, Dusty, we need your belt. I got my belt in the car. Don't worry about Doug out there waiting for the belt because that's it's never going to happen. Doug, you have one motherfucking job. Now I got to go out in my freezing ass cold in October in Tennessee, Chattanooga, and I got to go out to my car and I got to go retrieve my belts because you can't do a motherfucking thing. That's actually how it went down. To get to the match that we skipped, the match that at, at some point in this episode we're actually going to watch is the Chamber of Horrors match. Yes. So the, the Chamber of Horrors match is a steel cage match that kind of like. It, it doesn't, like, fully hell in the cell, but it kind of bends up to, like... It, it kind of, like, closes the top off somewhat. Flimsy, too, isn't it? Very flimsy. But they have to keep the top open because they lower an electric chair randomly in the match. It's not like they go, and here's the cage, and here's the electric chair, or, like, five minutes, we're going to... They're just fighting, and all of a sudden, the electric chair just gets lower. The point of the match is you have to get one of the... It's four and four... You have to get one of the other people on the team into the chair and then flip a switch and, and electric. Yes, kill them. Just murder them. No. no, no. Torture them. It is the chair of torture. It's the chair of torture, not the chair of killing by electrocution. The chair of torture. So we can start this whenever you want. And uh, Well, let me just give the quick background. Of this yeah. because it's Sting, Elegante, and the Steiner brothers versus Cactus Jack, Abdul the Butcher, Big Van Vader, and the Diamond Stud. Now here's where it gets confusing. Okay. Oh, this is where also where they premiere the referee. Yes, the referee. It's referee camp. Nick Patrick has a helmet with a camera on it that they don't just call the referee cam or the refer cam. It's called the referee, yeah. and every once in a while they switch to it. The referee cam is literally a fucking bicycle helmet, a camcorder attached to the front, and it's supposed to be his point of view. Why this happens, I don't know, aside from them trying to use, like, referee, like, maybe... Referee, referee. Creepy Halloween Havoc, mate. I don't know. There's literally no reason for the referee or the referee to have a point of view. They do it in two matches. And they keep saying the premiere of the referee. The referee cam. This is where the confusing part comes in. So the original lineup was supposed to be Sting, Elegante, and Steiners versus Oz, Barry Windham, the one-man gang, and the Diamond Stud. Cactus Jack was supposed to fight the world's strongest human being, Bill Kazmier. For some reason, they switched them. So now Oz is fighting Bill Kazmier and Cactus Jack is in the Chamber of Horror match. Because they reference that in the Bill Kazmier match by saying, well, he was preparing for Cactus Jack, but now he's fighting Oz. So there's no real explanation as to why they switched those two. One Man Gang, at this point, has left WCW. So he is replaced by Abdul the Butcher. Naturally. Big guy. Replace one big guy for another big guy. The only thing that he's really known for was just blading. Blading and working very stiff. Oh, yeah, just beating the shit out of somebody. And then Vader is replacing Barry Windham 
who was attacked in the pre-show and Bischoff was trying to interview everybody, but they never say, oh, well, now that Barry Windham's hurt, Vader's going to replace him. They just bring Vader out. They changed the whole card. Doug Summers, we talked about Doug Summers earlier. Doug Summers replaced Michael Hayes against Van Hammer because Michael Hayes had a fake injury that, you know, it, it was a real shoulder injury that turned out to be fake. But for some reason, he just didn't fight Van Hammer. So they put Doug Summers to fight Van Hammer, <laughs> but never really explained why. Right. You, let's say you're one of the 8,900 that people that bought a ticket thinking you're going to see Michael P.S. Hayes versus Van Hammer. Nope. Michael, B, if Michael B.S. Hayes is hurt. He's going to come out with Jimmy Jam Garvin. But he's hurt, but he's not hurt. And then Van Hammer's going to fight Doug Summers. But I want to see Oz vs. Sting in the Chamber of Horrors match. But no, you're not going to see Oz vs. Sting because now Oz is fighting Bill Kazmier. But I want to see Bill Kazmier vs. Cactus Jack. No, you're not going to see that. You're going to see Cactus Jack vs. Sting because they were feuding at the time. So they're just going to switch them. So why the fuck did I buy tickets to this shit? Because it's a Chamber of Horror match. It's horrifying. Let's get into this. An hour and 46 minutes later. Yeah. Two hours later after us starting this, let's get into... (laughs) We only pretty much have to talk about this match because we pretty much covered the rest of it. Oh, there's also, in the middle of the match, eight people in white, like, nurse outfits. The ghouls. And they have white face paint on. They're ghouls. And they're carrying a stretcher. For no reason. They're going to escort the person who's been tortured in the chair. What about... Well, we're going to wait for the other part. And I'll mention we'll wait when for the other just... part. The ghouls come out and just stand by the ring. On the ramp. On, on, the, on the ramp that goes right to the ring. This is the opening match now. The Chamber of Horrors. This is how they start this. Back then, if you were in 1991... This is right before my 10th birthday. So if I was watching this and I saw this match first, I'd be like, wow, this pay-per-view is going to be the most amazing fucking pay-per-view ever. In my nine-year-old, nine 11-month, and 28-day life, this would be the most awesome pay-per-view. I could already tell. But all they did was just blow a big, fat fucking splooge right at the beginning. It all went downhill. If you want to call this, instead of calling it the Chamber of Horrors, you want to call it the Big Fat Fucking Splooge match? Oh, and the ring catches fire. That's right. I do remember the ring catches fire. But there's one more thing that you're missing, and we're going to get to it. The torture rack by Lex Luger should have actually been a torture rack. Like, they reel out of the torture rack, and then he fucking stretches them out. Well, that's how Bill Kazmier wins against Oz. He torture racks him. That's the strongest human being. You should have just hit him with the earth. He carries an earth. To the ring. A, a balloon. Over his shoulder, like a fucking Santa Claus bag of gifts. <laughs> to the ring. And they go, that's Bill Casimir, the world's strongest human being. He can lift the earth. So they have all the tombstones. And if you look, when they zoom in, not the first one, but the one where the sparks are hitting on the left, it says, here lies Mike, something about his bike. And it says the Minnesota Twins, 1991, because they lost the World Series that year. But did they lose to a team in Tennessee? No. Then why the fuck does that even matter? Here lies Bear with the backwards R. He was full of hot air. I would never hire somebody to inscribe those tombstones. That company sucks. Here's El Gigante. Vader's looking like Moloch. 
And then Diamond Stud, Razor Ramon, Scott Hall. He always had the toothpick, though. Big toothpick guy. His character never changed. His name just changed. He's like, look, I love toothpicks, but not enough to wrestle with them. I'm going to throw them out. Cactus Jack with chainsaw with no blade. Why is he coming out with a chainsaw? Because he's crazy. Of everyone in this match, Cactus Jack and Sting are the only two. Like, I know you like Scott Steiner, but realistically, Cactus Jack and Sting are the only two that had the longevity that lasted 30-some-odd years. Because Sting's now in AEW. Mick Foley is obviously a legend. Scott Steiner was in TNA recently. Who gives a shit about TNA? We're going to... If we can find somehow to stream TNA, we're yeah. going to do TNA like Victory Road with Hardy versus Sting. Yeah. Do you think Bischoff, when he left his kids, he brought all his props with him? Yeah, this is all the stuff for uh, Bischoff's house. There's the butcher. His titties flap over... The waistband of his pants, and his waistband of his pants is up, yeah, under his titties. Oh, Sting's belt falls off. Sting has the uh, U.S. title, and he comes out and he starts pounding his chest like King Kong, and his belt falls off. This is like the little tiny mullet in the back of his head Sting. Outside the ring, there's uh, handcuffs, and there's two coffins in the corners of this cage. So we got the Steiners outside with Sting fighting, fighting Cactus Jack and Abdul the Butcher outside the ring. They have the referee camera. Nick Patrick with his bicycle helmet with his fucking video camera strapped to the top of it. And then there's a the, Scott uh, yeah. Steiner knocks over one of the coffins and there's a ghoul inside. No, it's not a ghoul. There's just it's not a ghoul. We have to we have to make sure that we don't confuse the two. There's a guy with a black mask on, black tights, no idea who he is or why he's there. And the other coffin doesn't have anybody in it. Well, they never knocked down the other coffin, so there could be somebody in there waiting for his moment to pop out. <laughs> I'll wait for the right time to pop out. Don't, yeah. don't you fucking do that. As soon as somebody bumps into me, I'm going to jump out of there. Nobody does. As soon does. as someone knocks my coffin over, I'm going to play tummy sticks with them. And the camera like, work in this, like, they had this wide-angle camera, which is further than, like, the, uh, what are they called, the steady camera, this, where the, all, everybody does their promos. Have a wider angle than that, but you can't really see in the ring because of the cage. Right. And then they have one cameraman or two cameramen inside the cage and the referee. Before the electric chair comes down, what are the rules of this match? Pinfall or to climb out? No, it, nothing. There's no point? rule. The rule is get somebody in the electric chair. You couldn't win the match right now. No, there's no way to win the match now. It's all about waiting for the chair to come down. So it's, it's just a brawl now. It's chaos it's like war games before everybody gets in the ring yes but here comes the electric chair just getting lowered randomly mick foley's just laying in the middle of the ring scott steiner's standing there celebrating and he almost gets hit by the the chair lowering and then mick foley's laying there and they're like he barely got out of the way it's like really because it was still like five feet above him yeah rick steiner's sitting there holding it like i hope this doesn't fall on mick right now when they're doing this match I don't understand how you were told at the beginning of this match. Your job is to put somebody in this chair and flip the switch, but we're not going to lower the way to win until like seven minutes into the match. Not only that, why is the chair in a separate cage? To lower it. But it could have just been on a platform and open on all sides. They have it in a separate cage. That's true. Sting just threw the top of the coffin up in the air, and Cactus Jack 
let it hit him in the head. Didn't put let his hands it, up. He just let it drop on his head. Here's a ghoul. Here come the ghouls of eight jobbers with white face paint and white scrubs carrying a stretcher, and then they take a knee, like like they're listening to their coach talk to them. They go, the ghouls are here. How do you know they're the ghouls? Did they announce themselves as the ghouls? Those eight guys came up to you before the match and said, hey, we're going to come out mid-match, and we're just going to sit here with the stretcher on the ramp. Call us the ghouls, because we've yeah. never seen them before. No, they show up, and they went, hey, uh, you guys put an ad up for uh, you needed ghouls with a stretcher. We're here. And they go, oh, you're the ghouls. Come this way. You don't have to come out till the electric chair gets lowered. And they're like, what are you talking about? We just thought we were coming out to the ring to be creepy. Well, we have the stretcher because we're going to electrocute somebody in the ring, and then you're going to carry their dead body out. Okay, yeah, I guess that makes sense. Okay, well, just tell us when they go out. Not ghouls. We said girls. Well, whoever wrote it in the paper had a typo. It yeah. certainly said ghouls. Well, we're, we're ghouls. Uh, okay, well, you're here, so you might as well go out. And we're wearing hospital scrubs. Isn't that what ghouls wear? I mean, apparently. So now they handcuff the masked jobber to the, the cage. For what reason? Well, they don't who, even say if the masked jobber is on the heel side? side or the face side. And who is he? No one knows. It's just some guy in a coffin. You have to put somebody in the chair, and then somebody else has to be flipping the switch, because the switch is on the cage on the outside. Right, you got to you got to hope that you have a tandem chair putter and switch puller. You, w- you would think they'd put the switch next to I the mean, chair. Even from an electrician standpoint, you'd put the switch on the cage where the chair is. It's less wire to run. Yeah, there's a lot less wire. They're, they're definitely wasting a lot of stuff here. That switch is a prop from Bischoff's yard with a fake electric chair. The switch is switched to on right now. Oh, yeah, it's on. It's on. So he switches it off to electrocute him? I just noticed that. I, I did, too. I didn't even take a note of that before. Like It's like those old, like the, the, the late 50s, early 60s movies with the electric chair where they had the giant switch yeah. and they're like, no call from the governor, and they hit the switch down. <laughs> but the switch is actually fallen over to the on position. But since there's nobody in the chair, nobody gets electrocuted, I guess. Vader, he always loses his mask. Did he even have his mask on the start? I thought he did. He had the strap match for Hogan, too. He lost, His ma- his mask fell off. I don't know. I didn't see it in the referee camera. So you got Abdul the Butcher bleeding. Mick Foley bleeding. Now, Mick, now the switch it just fell down again. again. So he's just climbing up there in case somebody gets sat in the chair. Yeah, he's just going to hang out there. But the switch is already in the on position. Oh, no. They, he flipped it back to the off position. But he keeps falling down. It just fell down again. But since there's nobody in the chair... Nobody dies. You think that you would have it the opposite way. That's not dramatic. They had to have practiced doing this and know that that look, there goes the referee kept he put the switch back up. Oh yeah, the referee is over there, he's flipping the switch back up. Look he's at actually that. holding he's actually holding it up. He's like, I hope this doesn't fall down again. Oh uh, if he, he switching goes, putting it back up again. Oh, at this point you would take like a wire tie or something and just so, but the now, ref is just sitting there holding it in the arm position. Dick helmet is it, so ridiculous. Uh, wait, the switch fell again. He put The ref yep. is putting the switch back up. And he's taping this, it. Oh, he's taping it now. That must have been his worst. 
he must have been sitting there. It was like this fucking switch. He's going right there. He's got talking to the production right now, going, "This motherfucking switch keeps falling. I'm supposed to be keeping an eye on the action, and I'm I'm the switch guy now." So oh, Rick Steiner Jack, falls Jack. into the chair. Abdullah is going to try to strap him in, and Mick Foley goes over to the switch, and he's waiting. He's when waiting he for Abdullah to strap him in, but Rick Steiner switches it. And Mick Foley never looks over. He never looks over to go, all right, let me just make sure my friend's not in the chair before I flip the but switch. What's he, but what's he doing? Like, if he's not looking over, like, what's the holdup? And he accidentally electrocutes Abdul the Butcher, and there's sparks shooting everywhere, and the ring catches on fire. Yeah. <laughs> in, like, four different spots. His head isn't even in the part where that would electrocute him. So he wouldn't be getting electrocuted at all. No. So technically, all those times that the switch fell down, all those fireworks should have been going off. <laughs> every one of the fireworks should have been going off because it didn't matter. Now, every wrestler is looking there going, holy shit, did we actually kill this guy? And now what? Do we help him? Oh, he's just taking a little nap. Let's look at this guy all tuckered out. Did they shut off the electricity? No, no. The switch was still down and on. It just ran out of electricity. It's short-circuited. I'd be afraid to even touch that metal if I was in a match with the... Just electric. There's a guy just sweeping the ring. He's sweeping all the fire out of the ring. And Cactus Jack walks over and goes, Sorry I electrocuted you, Mr. The Butcher. Wake up, Mr. The Butcher. Oh, he's up! Up. Oh, now he's pissed. Walks out of the ring. He kicks the guy. What a dick. And he beats up all the ghouls. Why are they covered in talcum powder? There's just powder flying off these guys. There's powder flying because they all have it in their hair to make it look gray. And Mick Foley just got attacked by Abdullah Butcher, and then he just walks away past him. Then he comes back to attack the ghouls. Hey, if you were just electrocuted, you would be confused as well. If I saw these guys waiting outside in white, I'd be like, oh my god, these are, these are taking me to the depths of Hades or something. I don't... Is that the people that bring in the depths of Hades a bunch of jobbers in white outfits with white talcum powder in their hair and white makeup covered, on? T- covered in talcum powder. They just dumped out a bunch of rosin bags on themselves. We don't have you, to cover the whole match, but we, we definitely have to watch the beginning of the PN News Creature Match. Sure. Parts unknown, weight unknown, the creatures. Still don't understand why. Weight unknown! That guy looks like he doesn't know where the fuck he is. I mean, they're obviously two white guys. I mean, yeah. Creature one is Joey Maggs, who was a mid-carter in WCW for years, and I think he did like one match in WWE. We don't know who Creature two is. PN News. PN News did one match in ECW, and he actually got jacked, and he he like shaved his head, and he kind of looked like um, Prince Albert. Remember Prince Albert? Yes. He kind of looked like him. I found out who Creature 2 is, by the way. Who is it? Johnny Rich. Who the hell is Johnny Rich? Yeah, he was a uh, in WCW 90, 91, 92. He's got three matches in WCW. Steve Williams and Terry Gordy versus the Italian Stallion and Johnny Rich. Big Josh and PN News versus Creature 1 and Creature 2. And then Oz versus John- Johnny Rich. You, ju- you just missed uh, PN News' rap where he said, Hey, everybody, it's it's Halloween Havoc 91. We're going to take care of business and have some fun. Time out. What? There's a WCW Magazine's PN News winner. 
Yeah, she rapper. wrote a rap and then won the contest for best rap and then got flown to this pay-per-view. Amazing. That little cornbread white girl wrote a rap that was the best one, and they flew her from Florida because they said she's from it was, Florida. It was the fucking only one, other than, like, six-year-olds. She wrote the best rap. That was her... This was like a big. She was like, "Oh my god, I can't believe." She told all. She actually told all her fucking friends. She went to high school the day she got that letter in the mail, and it said from WCW headquarters. And she was like, "Oh my god, dear Teresa, we've received your submission. Congratulations, you have had the best PN news rap, and we will be flying you to Chattanooga, Tennessee, to attend Halloween Havoc 1991." She announced it in homeroom, and she's like, "Hey guys, I'm so excited!" And everybody goes, "Oh my god, can you bring people with you? I can bring one guest." Depends who. It's like DJ Tanner when she won tickets to the Beach Boys, and everybody started like bribing her. Teresa, here's your favorite cookie. I don't know. Is that worth going to Chattanooga to see PN News at Halloween Havoc 91? All right, class. What do you have for show and share? Well, I'm so happy that I get to share this with everybody is that I wrote a rap song, not for myself, but for my favorite wrestler in WCW. He's going to be the greatest champion that ever lived. His name's PN News. He comes out and he does raps. And I'm going to write a rap for him specifically. And here's what the letter says. Teresa, congratulations. First and foremost, not only do we love your rap, but PNU has said that he's going to be singing it and signing an autographed copy of his headshot just for you. And we are also going to fly you and one guest on TWA or Pan Am Airlines down to the Chattanooga UTI Center to be the special guest ringside at the match between PN News, Big Josh, versus any two guys that fucking wind up showing up. Let's hope they're masked guys named Creatures. (laughs) So you get to stay for the whole pay-per-view? No, no, just that match. And then get the fuck out because you're out of And then I have to find my own way home. They're just flying me there. It's a one-way ticket. I just hope he wears his lime green tights that have the black banner around them that say, yo, baby, yo, baby, yo. <laughs> if you really want to make an argument, PN News was the trailblazer to John Cena's Doctor of Thugonomics. I think John Cena stole his whole gimmick from he stole PN News. PN, PN News should sue him for copyright infringement. Was that that girl's rap? I don't know if that was her rap, but PN News selected that as the best rap. That had to be on par with that. The other raps must have been god-awful. I think her rap was literally just something out of her diary. I didn't pay attention to anything, what her actual name was, so we're just going to call her Teresa for argument's sake. But imagine in her diary every day in the year of 1991 leading up to this, she wrote, Today's Valentine's Day, 1991. We're going to break some hearts and have some fun. Today's 4th of July, 1991. We're going to set off some fireworks and have some fun. Today's Arbor Day, 1991. We're going to do some Arbor Day stuff and have some fun. Today's President's Day, 1991. George Washington, Abraham Lincoln, he got shot with a gun. (laughs) 
question did they get shot with a gun? I know, but they celebrated his birthday at the same President's Day. Today's Labor Day, 1991. We're going to do no work and have lots of fun. <laughs> Today's Canadian Boxing Day, 1991. <laughs> We're going to move all our shit and have some fun. We talk about Jim Powers' picture all the time. That girl has a picture somewhere of her with PN News somewhere in her house right now. Yes, somewhere in her house, but it's definitely in a drawer somewhere where she's embarrassed of it. She doesn't have it up on the wall. So she had a bunch of friends over for some sweet tea. And when they walked into her house right on the mantle, because she didn't even hang it up. She had it on the mantle. They're like, what's up with that picture of you when you were little? Do you have a guy with the lime green tights that says, yo, baby, yo, baby, yo. You watched fucking wrestling when you were 17 years old. And she's like, yeah, interesting story. I wrote a rap about, you know, there's a contest and we got to go to the show. And her friend's like, Teresa, we are dignified Southern women. We do not watch wrestling and write rap songs. And she was like, oh, my God, I'm so embarrassed. So she did put it in the in the drawer. And now, like you said, she's is it in the the condiment drawer is it in the. It's in a drawer, a random drawer. Like she, you know, it's not in the kitchen because it, it can get dirty. Shit splashes in the kitchen. It's in like the den, but not in the desk. It's in like the bookshelf. There's a sh- like a drawer, and every once in a while, when she's feeling down because her husband's working late again and didn't call, she feels down on herself. So she goes over to the picture of PN News and her. And she kind of holds it, and she it rubs, you know, with her fingers, and she goes, "You always understood me, PN News." And she feels better about herself. And now, but now here's the thing: her kids are getting into wrestling. She's waiting for the day that she can go. Hey, kids, you know, you should watch Halloween Havoc 1991 because it's fun. And they go, "Yeah." Yeah, it's old wrestling. We don't. It's like us. Won't you know? Somebody says to us, watch like Jerry Lawler in the territories in the seventies yeah. and eighties. Ah, I don't want to watch that. And she goes, no, no, trust me. Just go to your WWE network and put on Halloween Havoc nineteen ninety one. And they do, and they go, oh, Teresa, mother, and that's <laughs> mother they Teresa. <laughs> they they call the kids call her Teresa. They go Teresa. They call Teresa mother. They call me mom. You're not my real mom. Okay, whatever. Teresa mother. She's like she's like he's she's animal mother from Full Metal Jacket. Yeah, she can't have her own kids, so she married into a family. A lot of issues going on there. They go, that's you. You won the rap for this guy PN News who says yo baby yo baby yo, and she goes yeah. That's her moment. She opens the drawer out and the kids go that's lame and she puts the picture back down and closes the drawer because they're kids still and she goes and walks into the bathroom and takes a towel and smothers her face with it while she's crying and she's shoving the towel into her mouth her fake kids don't hear her audible sobs of how embarrassed she is this was five years ago but now the kids are starting to appreciate wrestling and now they go, hey, Ma, Ma, and they're having a problem saying it. They're like, Ma, Teresa. Teresa. Do you still have that rap? Because we think it's really cool that you were on 
Halloween Havoc 91 because it seemed like you were having a lot of fun. And she goes, I think it's time, kids. And she opens the drawer and she wipes the dust off the picture because it's been years since she's looked at it. She's she been goes, embarrassed. She goes, all the dust. She doesn't have to wipe it. It's like in the movies. You blow on it once and all the dust comes off of it. And the sun's shining through the window and all the dust particles, you see them sparkling while they fly down in that little ray that goes diagonal through the, the, the den. Kids, I want, I've been wanting to show you this for a very long time, but I think now you're ready. Match with PN News and Big Josh versus Creature 1 and Creature 2. And the kids go, those guys were from Parts Unknown. How much did they weigh? We don't even know. No Mom one knows. knows. No, no one, one knows. They, it was unknown. And Teresa goes, yeah, that's the match I'm talking about. You remember when you saw me in that pay-per-view? And they go, yes, Teresa, we do. Weren't you just calling me mom? Yeah, we're, we're on and off with it, okay? Teresa, we're not used to it yet. It's only been a few years. I want to show you something. And then she, she blows the dust off the picture. And she shows the kids. And she goes, see that right there? That's PN News. And they go... Is that you, Teresa? And she goes, yes, Kyle and and Samantha, because there's two, and they're with boy and a girl. That's me. And they go, so the, the legend's true. That was you in the pay-per-view. Yeah, and that's me. With And he signed it, and he said, Halloween Havoc 1991, Teresa, you seemed like you had a lot of fun. <laughs> I did. And then she looks at the picture, and she clutches it real quick. After she showed them the picture, they had no problem calling her mom. So she earned the respect. Do you think that underneath the picture, you know how you have the little canvas piece behind that has the latches that, that hold the cardboard that holds the cardboard with the picture yeah. in place? Do you think you take that off and behind there, behind between that and the picture, there is the original wrap from her diary ripped out? Uh, oh yeah. She wrote it in her diary, and then she rewrote it for the contest. So the original right. it behind the picture. And it's got, like, a heart, and it says, Teresa Johannesburg. It was TJ Heart around it, plus PN News. And she signed it a bunch of times, Mrs. Teresa News. News. Mrs. Teresa and News. And then it was, like, just pictures of his head from the WCW magazine that she sent away her rap to just pictures of his head pasted on her prom picture on her date and, you know, her wedding picture years later. Cause she still, she never got over PN news. How do you get over PN news? Like really? I think she actually has pictures of her husband now, even though he's never home. She cut out pictures of her husband's face and put it on PN news's body because she loved him so much. Listen, her husband works late. He has to put food on the table. And you know what? Just because the secretary is younger and better looking and happens to work late doesn't mean that he's having an affair. But he's never home. And she's alone in this big, giant house. with the Victorian two, house. Victorian house with two kids. Wraparound porch. Definitely a wraparound porch. She sits there every day reading that poem. She keeps trying to recreate the magic of that first rap, but nothing is organic anymore. So she's like, today is Saturday, 2021. I'm writing a new rap. What's up, everybody? She's like, I just don't understand. 
nothing's working for me. She wrote a rap for PN News when he was in ECW, and she said, PN News, you're in the big leagues now. You're not as fat as you used to be because you used to be a cow. And she scratches it and she crumbles it and throws it and goes, he'll never respond. And PN News, this is true. You can look this up on uh, um, on Wikipedia. And it says some citation needed because um, I just added it. It says PN News every day checked the mail to see if Teresa ever sent another rap and never did. And then he hung himself, even though he's still alive. He hung himself. But he hung himself he was the so rope broke. The rope broke because he's so big. And so yeah. full of rap that it he's just so broke. so full of rap. He's so full of hip-hop. He's so full of hip-hop that the rope just broke. He's, he's, his hip-hop is busting at the seams. <laughs> this PN News, he lived on a hill, okay? So he would get up every day. This is after wrestling. You know, he, he would get fan mail from uh, time to time. It was never from Teresa, and that was his love. I remember watching the match when he was fighting the creatures, and he kept looking over at her and giving a little, like, yo, baby, yo, baby, yo. The whole match. That whole thing on his uh, tights meant to Teresa, yo, baby, yo, baby, yo. Well, he couldn't fit yo, Teresa, yo, Teresa, yo, so he just put baby. He lived on a hill. He would have to walk down his long driveway to the mailbox because he has a mailbox that's not attached to his house and he would walk down and it was hard to see so he had to walk every day after wcw walk down this hill he's like do 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 and he's trying to think like raps he's like man i really wish i had a ghostwriter right now to write me some good raps like Teresa did for halloween havoc 1991 so he walks down and he would go to look to see if the little red fucking mailbox thing i don't even know what you would call it was up you only put that, that up if you're sending mail. You don't put that up I if the mail shows up. Mail. I thought you did put it up if you have mail. No. What what mail person do you have? Here's your mail. Flip up. Put that up if you, you're sending mail. I thought you put it up if there's any kind of mail inside there. I don't know because I have a mailbox attached to my house and I'm not fancy like you. Or he doesn't put it up. Okay. Whatever. He doesn't look at it. No, he may put it up. But he doesn't see it up, but he walks down to the mailbox anyway. He opens the mailbox, he pulls it down, and the fucking mailbox is shaped exactly like his house. It's a hip-hop house. Obviously. It's shaped like his crib. So he goes down, he goes to the hip-hop mailbox, and he opens it up, and every day he looks inside, he'll get things to get uh, $15 off his oil change. He'll get his normal you know, run-of-the-mill bills. He'll get all those kinds of letters but all he really wants is another rap from Teresa. So years go by. It might not even been years. It could have been like days or weeks. I don't really know. Time is, you know, time time is irrelevant. But he goes down. He's been going back and forth. And Teresa actually did him a favor because he lost weight from going back and forth to the mailbox. And ECW called him up and said, hey, man, you look great. You want to come to ECW? He's like, sure, but only for one match. And I'm going to wrestle that match for my baby, yo, baby, yo, baby, yo, Teresa. The funny thing is, though, Teresa sent him raps every day. But I don't know if you know this. He didn't always live on that hill. He bought that house after he beat the creatures. She Did didn't he? have that address. She oh. had his old address. So it would be always forwarded back to her. Return to it sender. 
returned the sender and she got discouraged after a few years and just stopped sending it. And so she has a drawer next to the drawer with the picture. It's just filled with return to sender wraps. And the two have never met. Time out. I'm just looking at something that's on the, the TV right now. And Jimmy Garvin is wrestling. And they're both wearing Atlanta Braves outfits in Tennessee. And they're doing the chop. And he's from Bad Street, USA. Well, it's Bad Street, Atlanta. Uh, just a Bad but, Street, USA. Well, if you look at Jimmy Garvin with the sunglasses on, it looks like he's wearing a Jimmy Garvin mask. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to ask you a question. Okay, so aside from Teresa being there and writing the rap, what souvenir do you think she bought? Well, she bought a PNU shirt, obviously. I mean, I guess they probably... He does look like he's wearing a Jimmy Garvin mask. But she might have bought a PNU shirt, but she definitely bought a fucking foam tombstone that you slide on your hand. Like, Did like they the foam have tombstone. them? Because I mean, that was like an Undertaker thing. But it's Halloween Havoc. It is Halloween Havoc. I don't know if, if WCW could afford foam things, because if you look in the crowd, I don't see a lot of foam things. But she definitely bought a WCW Halloween Havoc 91 poster. Keychain? A keychain, a poster, a PN new shirt. Do you think it was a keychain with her name on the other the other side? But she's Teresa with an, just an E-R-E-S-A, and it was Teresa with an H. I think they gave her the keychain spelled correctly because she, you know, she won the contest. But she would be the only one that would have that keychain. They made it special for her. If they're going to spring for the one-way ticket for her to get Teresa from Florida. Teresa keychain one of one. Yeah. She had to fly her way home. Like, it was either keychain or round-trip ticket. They said, do you want to fly home or do you want a keychain with your name on it? And she goes, what's on the other side of the keychain? They said, the WCW logo. And they said, she said, I'll take the keychain. I'll figure out mm-hmm. how I get home. She never did, by the way. She's still actually at the ITC UTI uh, arena. She but what about there. her kids? Well, she visits. She can get home she now. She visits her kids at their house? They all live in Tennessee now. But why is she still at the arena? What if Pan News shows up? But where, why does she have a drawer at a house she doesn't live in with the wrap? Where else is she going to put it? She doesn't have a room at the UTI center. She could have a locker. No, that's reserved for the people who play at the UTI arena. But she's a resident. Of the town of Chattanooga. Is she a squatter at the arena? She squats there? She squats there. Has she ever changed her clothes since 1991? No. Does she have keys to her her house that she doesn't live in? No. So she just has a keychain. She has a keychain. But and her kids that, that don't call her mom let her into the house to visit. It's very annoying for the kids because she'll wake them up at like 2 o'clock in the morning by knocking on the door and ringing the doorbell. That's How like she, she walks. It's only a block away. She lives a block away from the UTI center. Well, yeah, that was the stipulation of marrying her husband with the kids. The husband goes, listen, we have to, uh, if we're going to get married, you have to know that there's going to be children that are, you're going to have to take care of. And she goes, that's fine. As long as we buy a house within a block of the UTI center. And they call me mom. They can either call me mom or we buy a house in the within a block of the UTI center. And she, he goes, it would be easier for me to buy the house. So they bought the house in lieu of the kids calling her mom. 
But they earned the respect after the story of this, and now they call her mom. But she lives at the UTI center. I never said lived. I said stayed. Where does she keep her perishables? She goes home every night. She just stays. She She doesn't go to work. She's a housewife. Her husband is rich. Did I not establish that C center every day waiting for PN News to show up? Then she goes home at the end of the night. What you're saying is if she stays, that means stay by definition means doesn't leave, right? Stay as in she goes and stays there and then goes home. For what? For what? To sleep in her own bed. No, why did she stay? <laughs> her bed's because in the ocean? what if PN News shows up? But what if there's a game going on? Then she sits in the parking lot outside. She drives? It's a block. Why would well, she, she drive in the and then lot. pay for parking? She carries her beach chair down the street. They go, hey, chair. Teresa, and they let her, her walk chair. in. Her beach chair. Well, she what sit- else is she going to sit in she if she's in the parking in lot? Chair. She sits in a beach chair in Section G17 in the parking lot of the UTI Center in Chattanooga, is what you're telling me, in case there's a game or an event or the ice capades. She's sitting outside in the fucking parking lot. Now, is she paying for parking? First of all, she's not driving, so why would she pay? Second of all, okay. she's been going there long enough that all the guards know her, and they just go, come on in, Teresa, there's a game tonight, so go to your spot. Is she tailgating these events that aren't wrestling events that PM News isn't showing up to? She hoping he's going to show up to a basketball game, even though Chattanooga, Tennessee, unless it's a college, probably doesn't have any, doesn't have a professional team. There's a lot of questions to go on right now that I'm not understanding. Setting up her beach chair in a parking spot, because if I was driving around and I was getting to be close to the arena, and I went to go turn on my left blinker, and there was like a fucking Tahoe and an expedition, and right in the center it looked like an empty spot, and I go to pull in, and there's fucking Teresa in her stupid-ass fucking lawn chair wearing a Yo Baby Yo t-shirt, I'd be pissed the fuck off. No, she's not in a parking spot, because that was the stipulation. Yeah, What's Teresa, the come stipulation? on in. Is she going to shave her head next in case in, in she loses custody of the kids? Like, what the fuck is going on? Why would she do that? Because of the stipulations. No. The stipulation was you can come in and you can hang out in the parking lot when there's something going on, but you can't take a parking spot up. You could sit over by the fence in the grassy area, or you could sit over by the grassy area that's not by the fence. So it has to just be any grassy area. Whether or not it's by a fence. Any grassy area. Fenceless or not, not. Not in a parking spot. Okay. Do you want to know what Teresa's day looks like? Okay. Where does she start off? Six o'clock in the morning. Where is Teresa? Teresa wakes up in her bed and she Where? goes downstairs. Wait. Shut the fuck up. Where? At her house. Which is where? A block from the UTU center. Okay, the UT t- t- 10 Center. She said a fucking block away with her fake kids that don't call her mom. In her house, she's sleeping in her bed. Yes, next at to her husband. At 6 a.m. Her husband's home. No, her, her husband's, husband's home. Because he shows up late. I said he works late, but he still comes home. Okay. okay. So at 6 in the morning, her, little alarm, the yes, her little alarm goes off. Beep, beep, beep. 
and she gets up at 6 a.m. And she rolls in her bed and she puts her little bathrobe on. She goes downstairs and she makes a fresh pot of coffee. Time out. Pancakes that look like Mickey Mouse ears. And then she goes upstairs and she wakes the kids up and says, hey, kids, time for breakfast. And they go, all right, Teresa, I wish you would call me mom. Yeah, sure. Show us a picture of you with a wrestler and we'll call you mom. And she just goes, not yet. And then she goes downstairs and she gets all the pancakes ready. And Samantha wants applesauce and Kyle wants maple syrup. So she gets the condiments out and she gets everything ready. And then her husband comes down who doesn't have a name because I can't think of one. Tommy. Okay, Tommy comes down. She goes, okay, everybody, kids, you have to catch the bus. Here's your lunch I just made for you because it's peanut butter and jelly with the crust cut off, Samantha. And Kyle, here's your bologna and cheese. Go catch the bus. Tommy, sit down and have some pancakes. I can't. I got an early meeting. And then he leaves. And then she's in the house all by herself by 7.30. Okay. And then she shut up. You want to know what her day looks like or not? She shower. Do you want me to finish what's going on? Yeah, go ahead. She cleans the kitchen. She gets the house prepped and ready. She preps the dinner for the kids that night. She goes up. She takes a shower. She puts on the same shirt she had in Halloween Havoc 1991. Everything's the same every day. She still has the same haircut. And she goes to the UTUB Center Hey, Walter. And Walter goes, morning, Teresa. And she goes and she takes her lawn chair and she sits in the grassy area and she reads her romance novels. But on the cover of the romance novels, it's the guy kissing the girl or whatever. It's like that. Every one of them takes a picture of her head and puts it over the woman and a picture of PN News and puts it over the man. Every one of those, same picture, just it's Velcro and she just puts it on the new one and she goes there and she just reads. And then she Velcros her book. She Velcros the picture of herself on top of the cover. So she glued Velcro onto the cover of every romance novel that she owns and then glues Velcro onto a picture of her face and PN News's face. And any romance novel that she reads, she takes her Velcroed head and PN News's Velcroed head and sticks it on the Velcro on the current romance novel that she's reading. Yes. Okay. I got you. I'm with you right now. Question. Why is the UT7 Center open Every day. She's, not. She's in the parking lot. But why is Walter there? Because you have to have a security guard to make sure people aren't just driving in the parking lot at random times of day. You go to the Meadowlands, I guarantee there's a security guard there right now. Yeah, but Teresa's not just waltzing her fucking fat ass in MetLife Stadium. No, because she's not going in. She's sitting outside. Now, is it a shift? Like, she's got shift work? She switches what time of day? depending on the event, or is she there for a specific time? Okay. If you would let me finish how her day goes, you would understand. 7.30. Kids are gone. Husband's gone. She walks the block with a beach chair and a romance novel and her big jug of water, the the screw top, and you can use it like where it's like the uh, Gatorade bottles where you spray it and it's got the handle. She got some lemons in there? Yeah. And she walks down the street. Hey, Walter. 
Hey, Teresa. Walter, what's going on today? Oh, nothing until later. So just, you know, have at it. You have free range to, until 6 p.m. And then, you know, you have to go to the grassy area. Okay, Walter, don't worry. I got to cook the kids dinner later. So she sits there and she reads her book. And then around 5 o'clock. Wait, she stays for fucking five and a half hours? No, five and a half that. hours? 7.30 a.m. to 5 p.m. is not five Nine and hours? a half hours. Okay, she's reading a book for a couple hours. And then she goes, fucking almost nine hours. Well, her little watch with the calculator, alarm goes off. It goes beep, 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 beep. And she goes up five o'clock and she folds her chair up and she covers her water and she folds the book up and she goes home and she makes dinner for the kids. But I thought she had free reign till six. No, the kids are home at six. She has to have dinner on the table. What's she making? Pot roast most nights. Every night. I said most nights. Pot roast. She goes to the store bi-weekly, I'm assuming, and she goes and buys 10 pot roasts. She cooks it in a slow cooker crock pot, and that takes time. So what is she supposed to do? Just sit there and stare at it? That's why she goes down the street. All right? Are you with me here? Oh. Are you you following me at all? Yeah, I'm, I'm close. So then she cooks the dinner. The kids come home at six because they have after school programs and they, they have band. Fuck pot roast most days. They don't care. They don't like her anyway. If it's not mom, wouldn't you not eat her dinner? They're hungry. What are this they supposed bitch, to do? Starve? I mean, this bitch is making pot roast 80% of the time. Doesn't she have a bigger repertoire? No. The other night they go out to dinner. Would they go to the concession stand at the UTI center? That's on Saturdays. Oh, okay. So it's pot roast, Applebee's, or concession stand at UTI Center. What sides does she make? She changes the sides. Sometimes it's macaroni and cheese. Sometimes it's mashed potatoes. That's the variety. You have a strong foundation in pot roast, and you build from there. Your fucking foundation is pot roast. You're building your whole life around pot roast and PN news. Your life consists of wrapping PN news, pot roast, and having fun. Her dating profile says interests, pot roast, PN news, sitting in parking lots, reading romance novels, and having fun. This is a podcast about wrestling, right? <laughs> I don't even know anymore. <laughs> First, let me ask you a question. Why would she have a dating profile? She's married with two stepchildren. This is before she got married. Oh, this is case, why the husband found and in her. In case PN News is searching the Bumble. Ah, okay. She makes the pot roast. Okay. The sides. The kids eat. And they do their homework. They're young. They're in seventh grade and eighth grade. Because they're a year apart. Bantha's older. (laughs) (laughs) They're done their homework by eight. She puts in the bed. Says, kids, bedtime. You get one hour of television. And then I expect you to be in bed. She knows they're not going to listen. They're stepkids. But she still gives them the, the, the rules. And then she puts them in their bed. And she goes, where are you going, Tommy? Oh, got a big meeting I got to prep for tomorrow. Me and Sally, my secretary, have to meet at 
the office again and go over notes for tomorrow's big board meeting. This is the fifth night in a row. I know. Well, you know, you want to keep making those pot roasts. Somebody's got to pay the bills. Pot roast ain't cheap there, Teresa. (laughs) He goes back to the office. The kids are in bed. What is Teresa to do? She grabs her folding chair, her book. Uh, Again? Goes back. And then this time Walter goes, hey, Teresa. Does Walter not have a home or does he work every shift? Walter works every shift. He's working a lot of doubles. He's got seven and a half children. Hey, Teresa, just say no. The Chattanooga choo-choos. <laughs> the Chattanooga choo-choos? What sports do they play? They play um, basketball. So just do me a favor. Stay off into the grassy area. No problem. And this goes on for years and years. 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 So Samantha and Kyle are now well into high school or college by this point. College. Where do they go? University of Chattanooga? Yes. The University of Chattanooga's chugging choo-choos. The motto, I think I can, I think I can. Yes. Okay, continue. Oh, is that funny to you? No, I was just, I was just. I'm sorry. That's a real accredited college. I was clarifying. This is after she finally yeah. revealed the story of the, the rat to PN News. To but who? she's a little upset because the kids didn't appreciate the impact that this made on her life. And so she goes, it's their last day of senior year of, of high school. Tommy's never home anymore. He sleeps on the couch. The kids, you know, they're, they're staying at their friends' houses and their boyfriends. Huh? And nothing's going right for Teresa. Everything's imploding. And so... She's feeling a little down on herself. Right. We started off talking about wrestling, right? No. Okay. So everything's imploding, and she's feeling down on herself, and she goes to the UTU center, and she says, hey, Walter. At this point, Walter's, like, slightly older. He's retiring soon. Walter goes, hey, this is Steven, the trainee. He's going to be taking over from me when I retire. And Steven's got his back turned because he's putting stuff in his bag. And he turns around real quick. And they make eye contact. And guess who Steven really is? PN News. And they lock eyes. And PN News says, Teresa. And she goes, Mr. News. And then they connect. And she leaves Tommy and the kids, the ungrateful kids. First question out of her mouth. Not like, did you get any of my raps? Did you like my rap? The first question out of her mouth is, do you like pot roast? And he goes, I love pot roast. Love it. Look at all the weight I've lost. It's because I only eat pot roast. I'm the pot roast diet. And Stephen, a.k.a. PN News, says, we're at Halloween Havoc 1991. And Teresa says, we're going to take care of business and have some fun. And that's when they knew. You old romantic, you. Our new mission. We have two new missions. You know what our two new missions are, right? Find Teresa and find PN News? Hell yeah, motherfucker. <laughs> I think if we look in the same place, we'll find them both. And I think that we need to get both of them to explain exactly how their story transpired. So on that note, for every hour this show is, it takes me an hour to edit. So this is going to take me six hours to edit. That's great. That's why sometimes it doesn't come out till Friday. So I apologize, not really, about our rant 
of the PN News wrap, but I think that was more interesting than the whole pay-per-view itself. Again, if you'd like to talk to us, our email address is frontfacelockpodcast at gmail.com. Twitter at frontfacelock. If you want to talk to me, if you want to talk to Vinny, it is Vin frontfacelock, no C in lock, just L-O-K. You can hit us up on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook at frontfacelockpodcast. We are on Anchor.fm. Thank you very much for hosting us. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio. You can donate to help us improve this show. Upcoming episodes, Survivor Series and SummerSlam 93. We're going to do both of them. We're going to do WrestleMania 9. We're going to do WrestleMania 11 because we do a lot of WCW, but we do want to do some WWF stuff. I also would like to do Bash at the Beach 1999. I would like to do Starcade 1991, which is the Lethal Lottery. It's the pay-per-view right after this one, where they pull names randomly out of a hat and make tag teams. WCW loved having multiple rings. So they had War Games, two rings. Lethal Lottery, two rings. World War Three, three rings. We'll do some of them, but we'll do some WWF stuff as well. But, uh, yeah, so thank you, everybody, for tuning in once again. That's it from us today. You guys reach out to us. Let us know what you want to see. Ryan, as always, thank you for having me. And uh, I will uh, talk to you tomorrow. All right, guys. Have a good night. Thank you very much. See you.